people would have seen back in the day they played a lot of shows um, many of them quite memorable uh, Richie and I both had uh, the good fortune to interview two members uh, Richie had a discussion with Renee Rubia um, I got to talk to Frank Nolan who went by Frankie Paul at the time um, I distinctly remember seeing the band back in and around 94 um, and there was really nothing quite like them going on so uh, when I caught up with Frank He's now living in Central Florida. I'd like to say thank you very much to you, Frank, for making time to uh, do that interview with us. I appreciate it. I learned a lot about uh, the, all these things that I never knew how how they got together. So it was a uh, it was pretty interesting to to talk with Renee. The reason why we are focusing on Giver is because it is Fred Gamberg's 50th birthday. It would have been his 50th birthday, so. This is kind of a dedication to him. Uh, we didn't do anything ourselves. We're just going to show pure giver from back in the day as we remembered him. Happy birthday, Fred. Yes, this is, uh, this is in honor of Fred. Let's all celebrate his 50th birthday. Wish you were still here, bud. Maybe I could start by asking you, I know it's a very broad question, but what what was your impression or experience of that period, you know, the early 90s when Giver was playing? When Fred was alive or after? God, it was it was completely different. We went through, I mean, so many different changes. My goodness, after uh, mm. after Fred, we, we, we might have been worse than Spinal Tap. We, we might have had more actual drummers. <laughs> I mean, I, I hate to make jokes, but I mean, we really have. My God, there must be the list must be about 20 people long of drummers yeah. over the years. I don't know. I think, I think early on we were all just eager for uh, eager to be a part of that, you know, spirit that the energy, right. It was, uh, I mean, Hey, you were there, you know yeah. what it was like. Intoxicated. <laughs> it's hard. Right. It really is. I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to put into words for people, but you know, uh, I, I've actually tried to talk with people here. I mean, music, Music really has not been a part of my life down here. I haven't, uh, I haven't even picked up a bass in uh, since I left Newfoundland. Oh, right. Really? I, I literally, I, I left both my uh, both my basses with my daughter and just, you know, left. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I haven't touched one since, but I've I've really been thinking about it just because. The energy, the void that it fills inside, I don't know. It just it just seemed to, like life seems a little lacking without it. You mentioned that there there was before Fred uh, passed away and then there was after Fred. I was a bit of a latecomer. Uh, I joined after Forever in 94. So I met Fred maybe like three times, I think. Right. And, you know, the, the first time I met him, uh, I didn't know what to think. The guy, <laughs> he used so much energy and he just, right. he, he overwhelmed me. <laughs> like, uh, but 
I, he didn't upset me and I did not like him or anything. It was just like, whoa, dude, it's a lot, right? And then by the time was, I, met yes. him, I met him, maybe this. So what was it like to be in a band with him? Was it, was it similar or, or, you know, can you describe that a little bit? Hey, you know, anytime he wasn't talking back then, it was, it was great. Uh, when he was playing, you know, he just, uh, he had a brilliant energy. He really did. Um, we, we carried, we carried it on a little bit without him, but it, it really, I don't know. It's the words just kind of sound, sound hollow. You know, it's, uh, he was brilliant. He was the raw energy that he brought with him. I mean, it, uh, the scene, the scene just seemed a little dimmer after after he passed. You know, the music, the music didn't quite have the same thing. I mean, we we tried to keep the the same kind of energy going with it, but you know, that's it. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't really know. You it's, know, uh, it's, it's, it's you know, it's I I, I might. I might have, I, I might romanticize a bit more about the early days. I remember uh, some of it was a nightmare. Well, there was, there was three of you. Um, I, right. I definitely want to get into that. And, and, you know, that's a very interesting choice. Non-standard, we'll say, right? I mean, usually when you say, you say band, you know, you're thinking, if it's a three-piece, it's probably going to be a singer-guitar player or a singer-bass player, one or the other. There'll, there'll be a guitar and a bass and a vocal and, and drums, but not in the right. case of Giver. Uh, I'd Why? actually bought a, That's interesting. I bought a guitar from Marcel Vandier about, uh, and, and I put six bass strings on it and we tried that first and it didn't work. I might've ruined the, uh, the neck on that guitar, but <laughs> <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah. So, you know, we tried it, you know, just with the bass. Um, I really, at the time, I really had a problem with squealy guitars. I just, I didn't like that high-pitched squealy sound. I mean, a few times, you know, when Richie had, you know, come in and play with us uh, years before and, you know, Rod Lock at the time came and played with us. And in the later years, you know, uh, Johnny Fisher was playing with us kind of fairly regularly, regularly for a while, you know. I mean, it totally had a different sound, but all those guitars, they just, they weren't, uh, all those guitars are cut from a different cloth, as it were. <laughs> the sound preference that you get between, like, bassists and guitarists, I don't know. It's just, uh, bass, bass has a better sound, even with the feedback. I just always liked it better. <laughs> it was way different from what I was doing, that's for sure. I mean, um, as a bass player myself, you know, struggling to find space in between a couple of very, very heavy guitars and uh, very busy drummers, you know, sometimes right. very envious of your your position there because, you know, you're pretty much carrying the rhythm and the melody and, and uh, hey, for a while, all alone for a while, and Ray, a singer and a drummer together. Ray, Ray used to play with us for a bit with the, uh, we'd have like the two basses, so I'd be playing lead bass and they'd be playing like rhythm bass. Right. And when Liz was with us for a I while, Mike Kane was that. playing second base. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, all those. Cool. Uh, the only other. Those jams were fun. And Ted Sampson. 
he used to play with us with uh, the second base. And I, oh, his his little buddy from up the shore, I can never remember their names. I think Ryan, Ryan to play the drums. And uh, Ted had uh, fill in on the bass. We had all sorts of different arrangements over the years. Tracy Cole was singing for a little bit. And then then Tracy actually started playing backup bass and Janelle Taylor started singing for mm, almost a year, maybe 14, 16 months. That's a long time, yeah. But then, then they wanted to give it up and we managed to refriend up with Renee <laughs> let them back uh, in and of course after that you know things sort of went downhill you know all the time that you spent um playing with giver if you could pick one show to say that was my favorite well which one would it be oh with all yeah. the different lineups gosh i don't know really uh the original lineup with fred probably uh Opening for the Problem Children. I was a huge fan of them at the time. They were like a Toronto hardcore band. So cool. we got to play with them in the, uh, I think, the old Alliant building on Duckworth Street. Yeah. There was a, oh, I really can't remember the name. Richie will know the name of it. But there was like a, a gallery there on the first floor. And we got to play in there. And that was one of the early years. And that was probably one of my favorite gigs. Awesome. I think that would that would probably have been like, oh goodness, that would have had to have been like ninety four. Ninety four was a big year. Like there was a lot of big shows. There was a lot of a lot of bands. It was like the peak of it to me. Ninety four, ninety five, or so. From when I was playing, sure, but the bands that I loved that got me there would have been like the bands in like the mid the. Uh, Mid to late 80s, before Lisbon, you know, there was like Red Scare and Tough Justice were one of my favorite local hardcore bands and uh, Waffet with uh, Clark and Ken. Those are the bands that kind of drove me to want to do that weird eclectic thing that we ended up doing. <laughs> I don't know. I, I remember I remember the scene from when the like the first second years second to third year i get, i had went to canada you know and uh the whole punk thing was just thriving all the hardcore scene was just opening up the bands were all a lot different then i finally got around to starting to do it and i couldn't play for shit <laughs> but we made it work anyway figured out a, a couple of things to play and just ran with it rock and roll you know go right for it. And that's all it is. Thank you so much for going out of your way from so far away to talk to me about Giver. I really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you. It's been uh, it's been good. Yeah. So so I I seen you come along afterwards and join join up the band. So I'm going to ask you. Um, the, the first question is uh, is like when and how did Giver start? I was in a dingy little apartment off of uh, Queens Road. We were basically bored playing playing the the odd video games from the N64. How did you know Frank? Did you grow up with Frank? I got to get to know Frank on on a more personal basis at that time, right? Yeah. And we just sort of chummed up, right? We were just mucking around for a bit. And I think we 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 got this set of drums 
I think we got it from Peter, Peter Harvin. Yeah. Okay. We had a an accordion and a, and a trumpet. Frank had this this old beat up trumpet, right? Yeah. So you know we had the makings of a polka band, right? <laughs> <laughs> so what we did, like, and of course Frank had his his bass, right? Yeah. And you know his famous bass with the it wasn't yet green flaky. Right. That was only done after we did a paint job. Yeah. And it just sort of accidentally happened that way. I remember I remember it had a stretchy uh he had the the, the guitar yeah, strap it, made out of rubber or something because it bounced up and down. So what we did, we experimented with him singing, me playing the drums, right? And I started singing and then he'd play the drums or I'd try to muck around with the bass and he'd play the drums and sing, right? You know, okay. and we just sort of went, did that for a long time. And then then we quickly discovered this, that I was really good at coming up with stuff off the cuff. And that's what we were known, known for. Giro was known for me getting on stage and singing spontaneously with no real lyrics written. Right. But then after a while, the, the songs that I'd, that I that I'd sing, they they get popular, and they'd end up writing themselves and fall into a into a, a solid song, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You you had uh, some hits. Yeah. Like my uh, favorite was American Standard. Oh yeah, American Standard, and Lady Hyena, and oh yeah, and Last Laugh, and all that parody satire yet being really dark at the same time but like have you been writing stuff based on things or coming up with things based on past experiences or what was going on during the 90s or or just like just coming up with the strangest shit that you can come up with or well there was a little bit of column a a little bit of column b you know a lot of my lyrics would come from things i've seen on the news the whole saddam Hussein his Hussein thing was Yep. Big back in that day, right? Mm-hmm. The whole uh, Kuwait thing and and a lot of terrorism was starting to really pick up during the 90s. Right. And warfare was getting a little bit... <clears throat> I mean, there were, a lot of the news was pretty tumultuous back then, right? Oh, yeah. It still so, is now. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's very much so. Even more so now. I was starting to notice this in those days, right? You know? So I was starting to, like, use my views of the news along with the, the lyrics that I come up with, right? A lot of my lyrics is kind of like metaphors of of uh, relationships and and how relationships can be tough sometimes and yeah. you know insecurities and all this stuff, right? Your mom was a was a writer, right? Yeah, she was a poet. Yeah. I got a lot of my vocabulary because of my mom, right? right? I did a lot of poetry writing myself, right? She wrote uh, the book Skating Amongst the Graves, and she wrote a poem in my soup, which is basically recipes interspersed with poetry. Oh, <laughs> there was a 12-minute version of beer. More beer? Every bit of uh, that song is like just ad-libbed, and it just it never has any fixed thing. The only real fixed thing is the start of it. Uh, Saddam Hussein is in his bomb shelter. And then oh, we have to fear chemical warfare. <laughs> the world is all fucked. You know, like that then. <laughs> and then like at the end, it's like, don't worry about it. Step up to the bar. 
and asked the bartender, give me another. And that was that was the party favorite then, right? It was like everybody'd be like all fucking whipped <laughs> up, you know. I was like, more, more beer. <laughs> yes. And it was like when I get on stage and I perform, like all my Tourette's would just disappear. I don't know, you'd probably be hard pressed. To remember me ever doing a tick while I was singing on stage? No, not at all. It it was only the times I've seen it when, like, in between songs or or like just a little quick minute when like Fred or Frank or Fred is talking on and you're left as paused, you know. When I'm performing, it just goes away, right? Oh, that's that's cool. Like almost as if there's a persona that takes over. I don't know. <laughs> that ticks over. <laughs> oh, it ticks over. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I can't even put my finger on the whole 90s thing. It was like a lot of stuff happened at the same time. And it was going on at the same time. It was like a it was like a perfect storm, you know? Like I've never seen the music scene so strong as I've seen it in the 90s when Fred was out there fucking just grinding it for the bands and yeah. And uh, everybody was just so active. To me, it was a phenomenon. It just exploded yeah. for some reason, right? Yeah, I think so too. I think I think something oh. that happened in the early '90s, where maybe a, a lot of factors like the the moratorium happened, and everyone got like you know just um, like everyone left. A lot of people left. There was there wasn't much to do. We had yeah. to entertain ourselves, and 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 also like new kind of music was coming out as well. Yeah, well, there was a kind of a new music movement happening in the nineties too. Yeah, grunge thing, and and not just grunge, but just the whole. Oh yeah. And in independent music. Yeah. Getting really big, right? Yeah, and it was happening in our on our island or in in yeah. St. John. So. And it just made for some reason all us kids back then basically, we were all really active. Mm-hmm. And creative, like I've never seen such creativity burst open in the nineties. Uh, a lot of people talked about this night that you wore. Was it a gold bikini? That was that was a Halloween show. Okay. Um, Rod Lock, you could see him playing the guitar next to me, and um, Frank is on the other side of me. And you guys were the first band that I saw, and I always was. I was like. When I first saw it, I was like, where's the guitar player? I think when I remember talking to Fred that uh, he said he only uses a ride. He didn't have hi-hats. He yeah. only played with with that ride. And and that's all he did with the drum set. What eventually happened to give I know like Fred passed away, but I, 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 I vaguely remember that. Did Liz Picard play with you guys? Play drums with you guys? Or Liz did- Picard was the last drummer for our band. We were playing as giver and do you remember ted sampson no and ryan whalen they were like the new wave of bands that were coming out we were playing as another band we were doing like another project with ted sampson and ryan whalen but we did like totally different songs with a totally different vibe right right because ryan whalen was doing like serious rhythm guitar and all this other stuff right and we were also getting a bit like that with Giver, because last going off, Johnny Fisher was a rhythm guitarist with us. 
Liz Picard was the drummer. So we had Johnny Fisher, Liz Picard, yeah. me and Frank. And we were playing Giver like no other Giver has been played before. Right? <laughs> Holy shit, right? Yeah. We basically started getting jobs and paying the bills. Yeah. And then, and that's pretty much how it all ended, really. Yeah. Is that everybody went on their own ways to get jobs and pay the bills and grow up, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was a really weird feeling at the end of it there in like 98 when I went into that building the remnants, the shadow of the peace accord where Liz Picard was playing the Liz band. Yeah. And it was just that feeling of everything winding down now. It was a bittersweet sort of melancholy feeling to it, right? You know? Yeah. Because I had such good memories of of those times, right? You know? Yeah. Funny you should mention the whole lockdown. Like, you know, we're always at the lockdown, like, better part of March to, like, June last year. Like man, my thoughts went more, more often towards the, those great days in the nineties. Yeah, and it was just, it felt good to to think back on those days, but it felt awfully depressing because here I am in lockdown, you know, <laughs> <laughs> alone with my thoughts. Like, did you guys record in? Because there was no official release, but we did a, um. Sort of a self-publishing. The the only one that I heard was the Danger Falling Rock tape with the compilation with you guys doing I Feel Ugly. Me and Frank put out um, a whole bunch of tapes with with the with our set on the on the, the tapes. Okay. They, they, they were all used tapes. So we had to record them by shoving like putting tape over the the back thing so you could record, right? And because of that, like the recordings weren't that great. Yeah. But we were able to put a bunch of tapes out of our of our songs, right? Right. And I, I really appreciate you popping up online for this for me. I know like we all a lot, a lot of us don't want to go back to the past, you know. They a lot of us want to just move move on, but Oh, well, I don't mind it at all. It's it's good for the good vacation every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> Quick little story. Yep. Um I had him at my place one time, and he saw my my stamp collection. I had this, this stamp collection in a in a photo album book, and he said, "I really want that." And it's like, "I'll give you fifteen dollars for the stamp collection, right?" It's like, it's a deal, right? <laughs> so we meet up at Cocomangas the next day, and he I pass him the book, and he yeah. passed me fifteen bucks. It's like, yeah. Pleasure doing business with your friend. <laughs> so somewhere there's, you know, a, a little a little stamp collected book, right? You know? Oh, yeah. That's amazing. Jeez, I didn't know Fred was into the stamps. Uh, it was nice chatting there, Renee. Yeah, it was great uh, seeing you again, bud. All right, you have a good night, Richie. Yeah, you too. See you later. Happy weekend. Yes, you too, man. Okay.
sorry, we gotta start that again. I got the pages confused. We gotta start that again.